0: Does your partner have habits that drive you crazy sometimes? Today, we're gonna talk about the 10 most annoying habits that partners have, and what it means for your relationship, what you can do about them, and how you can improve your relationship even if your partner has habits that you find really annoying. If you want to to find out more about how to improve your relationship, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of free tips and guides and our online course, The Relationship Maze, which we currently have on special offer. Uh, You can also take our free online conflict style quiz where you can discover your argument style in relationships. And subscribe to our podcast right now. Welcome to today's podcast, and today we're going to talk about ten of the most annoying habits that partners have. This is from a list that we found on searching through the internet on different surveys.
1: I'm sure you could all come up uh, with your own very long list uh, that might match some of the items that we have on our list, but you know you, there might be something else that you find particularly annoying about your fa- partner.
0: Yeah, and you were saying like uh, you're saying that with <laughs> a sort of sense that maybe there's something. <laughs> That you could mention right now.
1: Well, I'm sure we could expand on this <laughs> list, really, surely. You know, there's probably more than 10 items here.
0: Well, maybe. Maybe for you. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> so let's start with number one. And number one is?
1: Not listening. Pardon? Not listening. Okay, not yeah. Listening. <laughs> yeah. Not
0: listening. Not
1: listening. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's a very common one, isn't it? That yeah. you keep on talking, you want to tell your partner something, and... Uh, And they're just sort of, they're distracted or they're not really engaging, they're not asking any questions or they haven't actually heard, you know, any of what you've just told them. How annoying is that?
0: Yes, and this happens a lot. I mean, this is one of the biggest complaints that partners seem to have. And Mm. on different surveys, we've found it seems to be the consistent thing, which is near the top of the list. Mm. The partners complain that their partners don't listen.
1: Having said that, actually, listening, of course, is one of those skills that, um, that really can be practiced um, for, for everyone. Um, and of course, like in, in couples therapy, one of the practices that we always engage with quite a lot in most of the sessions is to enable each partner to listen to the other, which is very, very, very hard. seems so simple, but it's actually really hard, particularly if your partner is saying something that you don't want to hear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or we don't
1: agree with, right? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, but I think just generally, uh, most of us don't listen in most conversations, whether it's at work, Mm -hmm. whether it's in relationships, Mm -hmm. because we're not taught how to listen.
1: No.
0: We're not taught how to have conversations at all. So, Mm. you know, at school, the thing that I think we always lacked was um, anyone actually going through, how do you have a conversation? Mm. How do you have a debate? Mm. You know, there might be debating societies, but only the people that kind of seem to know how to do it would do them. Mm. But it was, you know, it's the people that don't know how to do that that really need guidance because you can learn how to listen. You Mm. can learn how to converse as well and that's Mm. part of what we teach in our course on the relationship maze uh, is is how to listen how to how to listen how to have conversations how to discover more about your partner which i think is so important yeah to
1: do the what we call active listening which is um to be to be really fully engaged with the listening process not just to kind of You know, to take something in, sort of half in, half sort of hear what your partner's got to say. But to actually really engage with what is coming your way, that requires a lot of practice and quite a lot of skill, I would say. Uh, And as you say, you know, we're not taught to listen in that way. And a lot of the time, uh, particularly in sort of more heated discussions when there are arguments, we are more engaged with um, being preoccupied with what we want to get across. So rather than hearing what's coming our way, we're more engaged in the let me tell you what I think uh, side of the argument. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, you know, our own stuff gets triggered. Mm-hmm. So we start thinking about that. And, uh, and and I think in general conversations, we spend a lot of the time anyway thinking about what are we going to say next? Mm-hmm. So when the other person's think speaking, you know there may be some listening sometimes, mm-hmm. but we're also more concerned about how am I going to respond to this? Mm-hmm. And if it's personal triggers that are triggered off about things that may have triggered something from something else in a relationship, we're too busy thinking, you know, that's too busy that being fired up to even begin to really listen to what the partner saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are uh, lots of listening practices that you can engage with and if you really, I mean, you really, really, really want to improve your relationship and... Then the best thing you can do is kind of to work, uh, uh, to work on your listening skills. To just make some time to try to focus just for one minute or two minutes, for example, on what your partner is really saying. And you might just want to reflect that back, paraphrase it, let them know that you're really engaged with what they've said. It transforms uh, conversations dramatically
0: totally and yeah, yeah. And, and and as we said that the, the third part of our course the relationship maze is all about listening yeah and conversation and how mm. you have that communication with your partner mm. or even in dating it's not that you have to have a relationship mm. but you know in dating it's really important as well i think when when you're anxious on a date mm. sometimes you don't listen because you're too busy being anxious you're That's too busy right. thinking do they like me? Did I say something wrong? And, you know, really, we want to be engaged with the other person.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. OK, so listening is our number one. And we could, we could talk about this for quite some time now. But we want to move on to the next item on the list,
0: which is... Number two, which is snoring. Yay. And uh, this is one of these things which... <laughs> you know, listening is something that you can learn. Mm-hmm. Snoring... Is something you—I don't know—you can learn to snore, but learning to not snore is maybe more challenging.
1: It's really quite so, difficult. Yeah,
0: so some of these things on the list are things that you can change. Mm-hmm. You can change as the person that's doing the thing that your partner finds annoying. Mm-hmm. But some of the things are difficult to change. There may be some things you can do, mm-hmm. but I think that's whats really important here—is there's two sides of annoying habits. Mm-hmm. It's not just the other person's annoying; it's that you get annoyed by something the other person does. So in a way, it's like, how are you annoying yourself as a result of their behavior, which sounds like a challenging question. Yes, it is, because
1: I mean, if I think about snoring, that's one of the worst things for me, I can't bear snoring. I could try to ignore it, but I don't think that's gonna work. So it's really, it's because it can be so loud and so disturbing. Yeah,
0: Mm. and sleep is so important. So if your sleep's disrupted, it's it's really difficult. Um, so, you know, in terms of that, you know, as, as the person who's snoring, it's, you know, <clears throat> there may be some things you can be aware of, like there are some things that may help some devices that help you kind of move if you're snoring but you know sometimes this is a anatomical physiological thing that's difficult to do anything about mm. i mean obviously as the listener there are things like earplugs mm. which can be very effective yeah mm-hmm. um you know i have these sleep phones mm. which um it's a very thin band which uh, you can just put on and it just kind of plays the sound through little speakers which mm. they're, they're so small that you can't feel them when you're asleep But again, that that just takes the sound away. And I think that can be really effective. Also, you know, if you're in a noisy environment, those things are great as well.
1: Yeah. So it's something really for you to negotiate as a couple, because if it's really, really disturbing for you and one partner can't sleep, you might want to have an arrangement that um, you, you sleep in different bedrooms, for example. That might be a resolution for some couples.
0: It could be. I mean, yeah. you know, I think that can be quite challenging, though, as well. And um, yeah. I suppose it's, it's how how much of a problem this is, how much you can block it out. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember one, there was one therapeutic story I was reading about. I can't remember who was the therapist. It might have been Virginia Satir, but someone came to this therapist um, saying that they just couldn't stand their husband snoring. mm and the th- some of the intervention went on for some time, but one of the reframes was something around, well, you know, when you don't hear that sound of a snoring, that sound that your husband's left you and is no, no longer in your life. Sure. And this person really loved their husband and it made this impact that actually suddenly the snoring reportedly became quite a, a melodic sound because <laughs> it reassured her that, that, that their relationship was still there. And it's not always that easy. But, no, I'm yeah. sure
1: it isn't. But yeah, it's a great story. I like yeah. it. Yeah.
0: yeah, And there are some techniques with hypnosis mm. as well that some people mm-hmm. do find uh, can be effective to um, to kind of change the way that it sounds, to block it out, mm. or, you know, maybe even in terms of um, breathing more comfortably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But number three. So number three is?
1: Leaving cups or leaving washing up or leaving clutter, sort of like, you know, dishes, Uh, around that haven't been washed up so leaving the dirty dishes around is a very common complaint and actually really it is something that I hear quite a lot about from couples yeah Mm, it's really frustrating for more frustrating for one partner always than for the other of course frustrating for the one who is complaining about it not so much for well also maybe frustrating for the one who is leaving the dishes out and then gets a complaint
0: about it yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think this is, of course, one of the ones that you can do something about. Sure. But sometimes the complaint, I think, comes from um, somebody complaining about the other person leaving something out. But then there are times the other, they might leave something as well Sure, and don't realise that's annoying too. So I think it's, there's a bit of give or take. Does it happen with both people? But I think ultimately, you know, this comes down to what you've learned when you were younger. mm. Mm. And if you didn't learn to tidy up and put your stuff away, then maybe it's about time you did. Yes, <laughs> that's all I can say really on that subject as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, cause because it's not I, difficult. I mean, you know, you have just, a cup, <clears>
1: just <throat> put it away. Yeah, it just yeah. Uh, it just needs to be done, right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I've
0: been yeah, you know, I'm sure I've been guilty of this on many occasions, but I'm a lot better now. And yeah. but it's sort of you know, it, it's just thinking of making that environment good for you both to live in. Mm.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you know, just it's about it's about being considerate, and it might not trouble you to be surrounded by dirty dishes all over the place. It might literally not trouble you. Some people are not troubled by that, but it is, uh, you know, but it's worth con- of, worthy of consideration if it troubles the other person, right? Yeah. yeah, it just needs to be done.
0: Yeah, and one thing you could do to change his behaviors, you could uh, look into. Fogg's tiny habits mm-hmm. so Fogg, who has done a great ted talk and uh, is one of the experts on be- change or implementing new habits or new behaviors uh talks about some different principles along the lines of you find the trigger then you tie it to some behavior and then you have some little celebration so with something mm-hmm. like this and I-, I can't spend time going to it in depth mm. just now maybe we'll we do it another time yeah. so it might be as soon as you finish your cup of coffee You take your cup and put it in the dishwasher. Or
1: wash it. If you haven't got a dishwasher. Yeah, or wash it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the behavior, so that the trigger is your cup's empty. Mm -hmm. As soon as that's empty, you take it over, wash it up, or put it in the dishwasher. And as soon as you do that, immediately have a little celebration. So um, it's basically just internally, just go yes or kind of go woohoo or whatever, whatever it might be. You know, depending on what country you're in, you can do that a little bit more. Like in America, it's easier to do the... I, awesome i think uh for goes which in england yes. that doesn't really kind of work as well but it's kind of it's just having a good feeling it's associating a good feeling to the behavior you do immediately mm. after the trigger of the key points mm. that's very really good
1: yeah a good example and actually the fourth point that we've got the list which is avoiding household tasks it's kind of similar isn't it it's the same yeah. thing as the doing, not doing the dishes it's the just not getting on with it Um, Yeah, leaving clutter around or whatever.
0: Yeah, but I think, you know, the only thing that's different with that is make a list of Mm. everything that you have to do. Yeah. You know, write out a list between you. What are the tasks? Because you may not be aware of it. Mm. You know, I think for a lot of people that have never really kind of had to look after themselves, particularly, maybe if they went from living at home and the parents did everything and they get into a relationship and you know, sometimes it, it must be almost like fairies just seem to kind of uh, tidy magically the chairs remove. up overnight. magical <laughs>
1: <It's> magically <laughs> remove everything, that's right. So
0: making that list and be aware of it. these are the tasks and these are the things you want to divide and how are you going to divide it? Divide it fairly.
1: Yeah, and just one point maybe to make uh, in relation to household tasks is that if there's, uh, if there's an in, a very sort of significant imbalance where one partner always does all the household chores and the other one doesn't, it creates, uh, it can create a real difficulty in the relationship in terms of, uh, we've talked in the past about parent-adult-child, uh, the parent-adult-child model, where you, you know, different parts of you at any given stage um, <clears throat> on the de- of the day, etc., could be more in the foreground, so more a parental kind of feature, a childlike feature, or or a sort of a balance between the two, which is the adult state of being in. Now, if you are somebody who is messy all the time, doesn't engage with the household tasks, you can create a dynamic, you can get into a dynamic with your partner where you become more like the child and uh, and your partner might feel more like the parent and you get into this this dynamic where, you know, you feel as the child, you feel like you're constantly being told off which it might also mean that you might get even more um, uh, resentful and actually do even less. You become the kind of um, the child who stomps, puts the foot down and says, I'm not going to do anything, which also then uh, the ante, ups the ante on the other front in the with your partner. They have to become even more strict with you, even more demanding. So you get into this parent-child dynamic, which is not healthy for a couple. You want to be in an adult-to-adult dynamic where... Both of you take responsibility for what needs to be done around the house, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. And so, moving on to number five. So, this is stealing the bed covers at night, which, again, a lot of people complain about. And, you know, that can be annoying, particularly in winter when it's cold.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you're kind of in, you're just having a nice sleep, and suddenly your partner's rolled over mm-hmm. and they pulled the covers. You pull them back, they pull them back, and it becomes this tug of war overnight.
1: Yes. Yeah, I mean, what is there to say, really, other than, you know, that's something to discuss, to be mindful of. And if you can't manage it, well, get two bed covers, right?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, this is the thing that in, I think, a lot of countries in Europe is the thing that happens, which is, just as a a kind of convention, is Mm -hmm. you each have your own sort of duvet. Yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: Mm. it's separate, and, and then you don't have the problem.
1: In Germany, yeah. for example, yeah, that's Germany, completely yeah. normal. So, and yeah, it's,
0: it's just a normal thing. So yeah. just get two, two single duvets. Exactly, and yeah. then you
1: don't have that battle. Right, so that's yeah. a very easy one to resolve, I would say. Right, oh, too much screen time is the next one on our list, which is this sort of constant one or both constantly being on the phone or, you know, just on their iPad, that sort of thing, yeah?
0: Yeah, so it's that thing where, you know, you're in the middle of a conversation with your partner, Mm. and you're, oh, you're out for a nice meal, and they, they just get out their phone and uh, texting,
1: mm.
0: And it, it's just really frustrating. I mean, I think for pretty much anyone. Yeah. Except for yeah. the person doing the texting, who probably isn't aware of it. But, but, of course, this, again, is something that you can do. I mean, you know, if there's an emergency, mm. there are, of course, exceptions. Mm. If, you're, if you're waiting for a call, you know, from, from a relative who's unwell, then, of course, there might be times you have to have that screen there. But I think if you're going to go out... On a, Like a date with your partner or yeah. a date with somebody that's not your partner yet, mm. you know, making sure you don't keep looking at your phone.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah, you not. I mean, it ties into the very first point uh, that we were discussing early on, which is they're not listening. So if you are, um, if, you're, if you're sort of half, if you're actually focused on looking at your phone and reading some messages there, then obviously you can't engage with what your partner is telling you. You're not fully present um, and it's disrespectful in that way, isn't it? So it might actually, I mean, you know, often often um, it's actually both partners. It's not just one or the other. It's just both of them. So some people seem to be sitting around the dinner table and not really talk to each other because they're constantly engaged in their phones. So no. have an agreement um, that there are times, certain times during the day when the phone just gets put away, right, yeah. or no computer inside, and you just make time for each other.
0: Yeah, I think this is probably going to get more and more challenging because, you know, whenever we go out and there's like a family at a restaurant, Mm. families tend to now bring the babysitter for Mm. the kids with them and stick it on the table, the babysitter being the iPad. Yes. So you just get a family there and they're all just looking at their iPads and the films and no one's engaging with each other. They're just looking at the screen. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, what's that? What habit is that going to make?
1: for the future absolutely it's like yeah. you just
0: go out for a meal and you're just watching your screen
1: i know exactly so what are you modeling for your children yeah. also if you're constantly looking at the phone then of course your children are going to do the same yeah so it's it's being really mindful of what what example you're going to set for your children right yeah
0: yeah, yeah. so number seven and eight i think we can tie these together really because we mm. yeah just leaving lights on in the house is number seven, and leaving dirty clothes on the floor is number eight. So leaving dirty clothes on the floor, well, that's when you leave them in on the floor drope.
1: <laughs> exactly. Some people have a big floor drope, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, but leaving lights on in the house, well, yeah. I mean, this is a thing again. It's quite an individual thing because some mm. people <clears> lights <throat> leave that lights on in mm. other rooms because. They don't like the dark.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, yeah. you know, it, it, again, it's down to um, an agreement that you have with each other about how you manage that. Or, yeah. Or, you know, also it's a financial question nowadays, isn't it? When, yeah, not just that. Is... Yeah,
0: Sorry to interrupt. I mean, not just that, but also yeah. the, the environment. So it's like, you yeah. know, if you're leaving lights yeah. on, yeah. it's, you know, it's using energy, which um, mm-hmm. we know is bad for the planet. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's something again to to come to an agreement on. Well the same with the the dirty clothing on the, in the floor drawer, on the floor dro- in the floor drape that's the same thing as household chores etc
0: isn't it. Yeah. Just... Yeah and yeah and just yeah don't leave dirty clothes on the floor just put them on your partner's side of the bed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> some people do that. <laughs>
1: Yes. So no, don't do it. (laughs) No,
0: just you know, having a laundry basket, just stick them in there. Again, you could use those tiny habits we talked of for for this too.
1: Mm. Yeah, so the next item on the list kind of relates to a lot of what we've talked about previously, which is nagging, which is a major complaint, which I think you might be very familiar with, Tom.
0: I don't know. If I was to say I was, would that leave some later?
1: <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so, yes, so nagging—the constantly being at the other person and telling them, "Do this, don't do that, don't you know, don't do a bit more of this." It's the sort of—it's the constant criticism. And we know that one of the, the so-called four horsemen of the apocalypse, when it comes to the relationship, according to the Gottman Institute, is criticism. Criticism, constant criticism. Um, it really. Gets to the other person. They feel they start to feel undermined. Mm. But it's a difficult one, isn't it? If you are, of course, if you are in a relationship with somebody who is really a very messy pop and never gets on with anything, you might have to constantly nag. How do you manage that?
0: Well, I mean, I think the thing with nagging is this is almost tied into some of the other ones sometimes as well. Is Mm. that you know not not doing these things like not putting dishes away, not putting your clothes in laundry. The things you can change may actually have an effect on not having nagging. I think mm. the thing is when sure. nagging is out of proportion, mm-hmm. that's the challenge. It's mm. sort of there are some things you can do, but nagging should never be used as a method of control, mm-hmm. which some people use it as. Mm. Sure. it's a way right. to get their own way. It's a sure. sort of, sure. uh, you know. So, so how can you put things away in a more construct uh, across in a more constructive way? Mm. Because you know, nagging doesn't tend to produce great results. It's sort of sitting down, talking about things and finding constructive way forwards.
1: Yeah. Which, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So if there's something that really troubles you, if you're really bothered by uh, particular habits that your partner has, then let them know how you feel about it, how they impact on you. Um, your partner is more likely to hear it if you describe how that how it impacts rather than saying rather than saying, Don't do that.
0: Yeah, and I I remember in the late 90s, there was a show I caught on television on the BBC uh, called, I think it was, How to Bring Your Husband to Heal. It didn't last long because it was a (laughs) bit controversial, but basically, there were, um, just in married couples with men and women, it was uh, the the women were taken to dog training school and taught dog training principles to use on their husbands (laughs) when husbands did something they liked. And, In the shows, in the episodes, it seemed to be very effective. that This sort of positive reinforcement of little behaviours the husband did over a period of time meant that they were doing a lot of the housework and seemed to be absolutely fine with it. It Mm. it's finding a positive reinforcement way can be more effective. Yeah, exactly.
1: And also really highlighting when something is done that you're really pleased with, because that's something that doesn't get expressed a lot of the time. Any form of gratitude, anything that your partner does that you really appreciate... Very often doesn't get brought up, doesn't get mentioned, so focus on that as well.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and number 10 is uh, not emptying bins. And, yeah, I think this ties in with some of the early ones. But I think also sometimes people grow up thinking that one person in particular should empty the bins. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, if if in the relationship, if it's man and woman... I've known sometimes some some women. I don't know if this is your experience, who feel that men should do certain things, women should do certain other things, in more mm. traditional kind of way. And I think that mm. that can sometimes be problematic. Right, so I so think you know, it's about, yeah, yeah, I think it's dividing yeah. these tasks equally. It's like you mm. know, anyone can, you know, in my opinion, anyone can empty the bin.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't yeah. need to. Um uh, a Y chromosome for that, do you?
0: Exactly. But this is just what I've found with some people <laughs> I've worked with. It's just, I, d- I don't know if this is a general thing, but it's just something I've yeah. come across. Right. But I think it's, it's finding these tasks and finding a fair way to distribute them.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, any yeah. task, whether it's the bins or whatever, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah.
0: yeah. Right. Good. So, yeah, and if you want to find out more ways you can improve your relationship, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have our course, The Relationship Maze. And you can also find out your argument style and relationships and what you can do about it. So head over to therelationshipmaze.com and we hope to uh, be speaking to you again next time.
1: Take care until then. Bye.
0: Bye.